Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Good morning. Happy Easter. Glad you are here. Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors and I uh, want to say welcome to you. If you're a first-time guest or if uh, you're a family member who's in town visiting uh, or if you're a returning guest or you've been coming to Christ Hunter for a long time, we're really, really glad that you're with us and uh, decided to join our second service this morning. We had a, a wonderful first service and I'm glad that we continue to worship together and glad you've decided to be with us this morning uh, for our second I'm going to read from John's Gospel this morning. We're going to look at the resurrection out of the Gospel of John. And if you are able, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to read the beautiful story of the resurrection out of John's Gospel. I'm going to read verses 1 through 29. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead, Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the, Jew, the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord 
and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Isaiah 40 tells us that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Uh, Pray with me if you will. Lord God, I ask that you would come now and breathe upon us your spirit. Breathe upon us new life. Open our eyes, open our hearts to understand and to encounter and to experience you, the risen Jesus. Meet us, each and every one of us, where we are and lead us to trust and faith in you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, if you woke up tomorrow morning and there was a voicemail on your phone and it said, Mr. and Miss Jones, Mr. and Miss Smith, I'm calling to let you know that you have been selected as the winner of our $1 million prize. Please call us back to find out how you can claim your $1 million. What would you do? Your immediate thought might be like mine. No way I want a million dollars. It's probably a scam. It's too good to be true. Surely there's a catch. But $1 million. That figure would, would run through my mind, maybe your mind. What if it's really true? What if I really did win $1 million? Now, it's probably a scam, but what if it's true and you start to think, well, maybe I'll give them a call back. I'll at least check it out. I should at least look into it. This morning, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection. Is it too good to be true? Is it a 2,000-year-old scam where billions of people have been duped? Jesus crucified, but resurrected from the grave. The cross and the resurrection are the very anchors of the Christian faith. The resurrection is what gives this gospel the good news that we have a Savior who lives and reigns, who breaks the power of sin and death and will usher in a whole new world order. As Paul the Apostle said in Corinthians, that without the resurrection, Christians are of all people the most to be pitied. As one theologian Yaroslav Pelikan put it, if the resurrection of Jesus really happened, then nothing else matters. And if the resurrection of Jesus did not actually happen, then nothing else matters. For as Christians, we believe if it happened, it is our complete hope. And if it didn't happen, we're foolish and hopeless. But we believe it happened. We rejoice this morning because we believe He is risen. Amen? He is risen. It is the reason we got up this morning and we put on nice clothes and you have plans to have lunch with maybe friends and family or dinner with friends and family. It's why we did an an Easter egg hunt last week and a big party and we eat candy and we celebrate because today, Resurrection Sunday, is the celebration of all celebrations. The resurrection of Jesus, the belief that God became man in the form of a baby in a manger and then lived a perfectly sinless life in obedience to his Father in heaven, was crucified in complete humiliation, shameful execution style, then came back to life, 
rose from the dead, and in doing so declares victory over sin, death, and the grave for all who believe. Is this too good to be true? Is it a 2,000-year-old scam with billions of people who've been duped? I'm not sure how you come into this place this morning, but I would say no matter how you come into this place, you've come with some knowledge of Christianity and some knowledge of the resurrection. And even if you think it's too good to be true, that it is a scam, you're here perhaps because the offer is just too good to not look into. Our passage could be framed like this this morning. What do you get when a skeptic, a downcast, a scaredy cat, and a doubter hear about the resurrection? You get John chapter 20. You get John chapter 20, or I could say you get Christ Central Church on April 16th, 2017. Because I know this morning you all come into this place in different ways to look into this resurrection, and you all come in different ways. Some of you are like Peter and John, skeptical and inquiring. Some of you are like Mary, sad, confused, downcast. Others of you are like the disciples hiding from the Jews. You're afraid and you, you're wanting to live self-protected. And some of you are like Thomas, questioning and doubting. I want to offer two invitations to everyone this morning. Two invitations, and they're my two points. The first invitation is to come and see the resurrected Jesus. It really is a miracle. And under this first invitation, I want us to look at four types of people in John 20 that receive this invitation to come and see Jesus. The first we see in verses 1 to, 1 to 10, come and see all who are skeptical and inquiring. Look at the passage with me. Mary arrives first at the tomb. She runs back and she tells the other disciples, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. Somebody's stolen his body. Peter and the beloved disciple, who is John, run to check this out. They arrive and they stoop to look into the tomb. They stoop to look in. They're inquiring. They are examining. The Greek there is scientific in its meaning. They are inspecting the tomb. Because their minds are blown, their minds are blown, even though they have been following Jesus for three years and Jesus had told them, I have to die and three days later I'm going to rise again. None of his disciples, none of his followers understood that and none of them expected for their Messiah to be crucified on a cross and then rise from the grave. This is where I think some of us can get off kilter today. We can assume that the resurrection was easier to understand and believe in the first century. But it was just as mind-blowing and paradigm-shifting for first-century followers of Jesus as it is for people today to hear that a Messiah was crucified and rose from the grave. So Jesus welcomes, and I pray, Christ Central Church, we would be a people who welcome all who are skeptical and inquiring and wondering and examining Christianity. The author of this gospel, John, is careful and intentional in his writing. He writes here in John 20 to show that there is actually much evidence for the resurrection. John is wanting us to come and see this evidence. Look with me again in verse 1. John writes, it's the first day of the week. 
And she came early and it was still dark. The time here is explicit. The setting is very clear. Mary was the first to arrive at the tomb. Now much has been made of this, but it's true and it's worth repeating. That in the first century, if you were making up stories about the resurrection, you would not have recorded that a woman was the first eyewitness. Women were viewed at this time culturally as inferior. And this would have been a weakness for the case of the resurrection. But today, it's a strength. Because most historians believe that the only reason that the early writers of Scripture record that the first eyewitness was Mary, a woman, is because she actually was the first eyewitness. Look again at the details of the empty tomb that John writes. Saw the linen cloth, Peter and John, as they stooped to look in. And the face cloth folded in place by itself. I imagine Peter and John stooping to look in and examining the tomb, and they're questioning, okay, if Mary is right and someone took his body, why did the grave robbers take Jesus' clothes off? Why take the time to take his clothes off? And then why would they fold his clothes nice and neat and separate them? Another evidence that all historians agree upon is that something happened this day in history. John chapter 20. Something happened. It is the only way that you can account for 2,000 years with billions of followers of Jesus. Something happened. So as Japanese author Shusaku Endo said, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you'll be forced to believe something else as great hit the disciples. Something changed the world this day. And we have to ask, what was it? And I want to tell you this morning, I believe it's because the, the resurrection actually happened. Evidence demands a verdict. And Jesus welcomes all who are inquiring and skeptical to come and see. The next person who receives this invitation in John 20, we see in verse 11 to 18. Come and see all who are downcast and despairing. Verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Mary's sad. She's disheartened. Her Savior, who she had been following, the one who had rescued her, is now gone. And she doesn't know where Jesus is, so she's despairing. And with eyes swollen from sobbing and weeping to know where her Savior is and from her heart throbbing in pain, and it's still dark outside, and she looks into the tomb to inspect it. Again, she's not expecting the resurrection. She sees what she thinks is the gardener, but it's Jesus. And he asks her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? I love this portion of John 20 right here. I love how Jesus enters Mary's pain and sadness. He enters her pain and sadness by asking questions. He wants to know her. He wants to know her heart. If you've ever been to a counselor, this is what a good counselor does. Some of you are counselors. A good counselor asks questions to get to know you. And not only to get to know you, but a, a good counselor asks questions to help you get to a place of self-discovery. Because the most powerful form of discovery is realizing on your own when it's revealed to yourself and you then can 
confess it. Jesus, the great counselor, is welcoming Mary in her pain and her sadness, and he welcomes all of us in our pain and confusion. And then Jesus, in the words of Del Bruner, preaches to Mary the shortest and greatest sermon ever. Jesus says, Mary. Mary. He just speaks her name. He doesn't shout, hey, it's me. Believe, woman. Believe, it's me. He very tenderly and very lovingly says, Mary. In her sadness, Jesus meets her in a deeply personal way. And Jesus says, come and see to all of us this morning. However you come, if you come in sadness and despair, whatever that might be in your life, Jesus wants to meet you. The third person who receives this invitation, we see in verse 19 to 23, come and see all who are fearful and self-protected. Verse 19, the disciples were locked behind doors because they feared the Jews. Those who had been following Jesus for years, right? put, put yourself in their place. They'd been following Jesus for years. Then they saw their Savior tortured, mocked, shamed, humiliated, executed in a public execution. Horrific. So they're afraid that if they're associated with Jesus, they also might be shamed and mocked and tortured and possibly killed. So they hid, and they locked themselves behind closed doors. Fear is real. Fear is real for all of us, and I, I realize that some of you this morning are afraid and you have fear because of the potential for physical violence that stands just outside of your own doors. Physical violence that is just outside of your own doors. This is past week, three boys were standing at a bus stop up on Main Street, right outside of our office. And someone pulled up and opened gunfire on all three teenagers. And they came running down and, and went into building four of our office complex. There is a legitimate fear for many of you because of the violence that's all around you. And some of you are afraid because you're, you're fear, fearful of being shamed and mocked for being a Christian. I have to be honest and tell you that there are times when I meet someone for the first time in my neighborhood or at CrossFit or in the city of Durham somewhere, and, and, and I fear the question, Daniel, what do you do? Because I know that when I say pastor, many people will recoil. Because I know many people here in our city might view Christianity and pastors, and particularly as a vocation that's antiquated, uneducated, not progressive. I realize that our culture is growingly resistant towards Christianity, so sometimes, and this is wrong, but I think I have to prove myself to people. I have to show them that I actually am educated and I'm thoughtful and I'm relevant. I understand culture before they will relate to me as a pastor. And I know some of you can fear, can fear what your coworkers might say if you were a little bit more bold about your faith in Jesus, what your neighbors might say. Some of you, I, I think, have had family members even mock you because of your faith in Jesus. Sometimes it would feel much easier if we could just huddle up with one another, safe and secure, behind closed doors, protected from all possible attack. But Jesus comes and he stands in the middle of his disciples and he says, peace be with you. He shows his hands and his side and he gives them peace in the midst 
of their fear. So Jesus offers the invitation to all of us to come and see, even in our fear, that the resurrection is true and he wants to give us peace. The last person we see Jesus extend this invitation to in John 20 is in verses 24 to 29. Come and see all who are doubting and questioning. Thomas, with the other disciples, says, unless I see the Lord, unless I see his hands, the wound in his side, unless I touch, I will not believe. Thomas has the rightful name twin, for he is in one sense a believer following Jesus with the other disciples, and at the same time a semi-unbeliever. He wants tactile proof to assuage his doubts. So Jesus appears and stands among the disciples again and says, Peace be with you. And then he tells Thomas, Put your finger here. Put your hand in my side. Jesus says, Thomas, try me. See, Jesus is dealing with Thomas and his honesty and his questioning and his doubt. <coughs> Excuse me. He allows Thomas to be where he is. And Jesus meets him. And many of us, can feel like the twin, can't we? Believing, perhaps following Jesus for years, and then at times the only honest prayer we can muster is, Lord, help my unbelief. And Jesus offers the invitation this morning, come and see. The resurrection is the miracle of all miracles, that Jesus was crucified as the Lamb of God, but rose victorious and is now the King of all kings. Jesus wants to meet you where you are this morning. Skeptical, disheartened, fearful, doubting. He wants to meet you, and then he wants to give you the gift of faith. To believe. To believe in the resurrected Jesus. That is the purpose for Jesus meeting each of these people where they are. I mean, look back at the passage with me. Verse 8, Then the disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw, he examined, and believed. The skeptic and the inquirer simply saw and believed. Jesus meets weeping Mary, engages her with gentle questioning, preaches the greatest sermon ever, Mary. And the text tells us, and she turned and confessed him as teacher. And then she clings tightly to Jesus, so tightly that Jesus says, get off of me, Mary, do not cling to me. But she had found her Savior, and he had turned her heart to believe and so she gripped onto her Savior in faith. The disciples, they're afraid. They're hiding behind locked doors. And Jesus appears in verse 19. He stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He stood in the middle of them, was in their midst as they gathered, much like we're doing this morning. And Jesus revealed himself to them. And those fearful and self-protected believed and were glad and received his peace. And Thomas, doubting and questioning, has Jesus moved towards him? Thomas is honest, and then Jesus says, put your finger here, see my hand, see my side. Jesus gives Thomas tactile evidence. Touch me. Believe. Don't disbelieve, but believe. And the doubter becomes the confessor. The first person in the Gospel of John, Thomas, to call Jesus Lord. And he doesn't just call him Lord, but he calls him my Lord and my God. The resurrected Jesus doesn't just extend the offer of come and see, to come and see this risen king, but then he gives the gift of faith and belief. He says, would you believe? 
Would you believe, you who are here this morning, would you believe that he really is who he says he is? The Son of God come to save you and me and to heal a broken world. Because once we are believing the resurrected Jesus, he extends another invitation. This is my last and shortest point. Go and be sent. Go and be sent. It is a miracle, and now we have a mission as God's people. Look at John 20 again. It begins with one woman, Mary Magdalene, who was at one time earlier in the Gospel of John possessed by demons, rescued by Jesus. Mary of Magdalene is not a mover and shaker. She doesn't have a pedigree. She doesn't have a resume that wows people. She simply encounters Jesus, believes and follows, and then in John chapter 20, she's met again by the risen Jesus in a very deeply personal way. And she immediately goes out and is sent out by her encounter to proclaim, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. I heard Tim Keller say in Mary's encounter with Jesus, Jesus is saying this, I'm not the dead founder of an ethical religion. I'm a living Savior who is alive now that you can have a personal relationship with, and in relationship with me, you will discover the deepest secret of who I created you to be. See, in discovering that she was deeply loved by her Savior, she was thrust out to do what she was created to do, to proclaim him as king and as kingdom as coming. The whole Christian faith built upon Mary Magdalene, (laughs) a demoniac, someone who was weak, yet she followed and she stuck with Jesus when others deserted him and he met her and he sent her out as the first believer in the resurrection and through her to change the whole world. That Sunday morning, 2,000 plus years ago, the church was down to one woman and she took the gospel of the resurrection to the whole world. On Sunday morning was the beginning of a whole new time No longer was it B.C., it was now A.D., year one. As one commentator wrote, on this week's first day, on this morning's first dawning, as the crown of this weekend of weekends, we have the beginning of the first day of the first year of the risen Lord's reign, a whole new time. The world has been changed because of this day. Amen. And every Sunday since this day, since this Sunday 2,000 plus years ago, those who believe in this resurrection, those devoted to the resurrection's reality, have been making their way to the same empty tomb at its nearest place of celebration. It's what we call the local church. And it's why we come every Sunday to celebrate the empty tomb. One woman sent changed the world. Look at the fearful disciples the ones who had deserted Jesus. He appears to them. They believe. They receive his forgiveness. They receive his peace. Jesus breathes his Holy Spirit on them, and then he sends them out. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. He sends his disciples out with a mission. Go extend this offer of forgiveness. Go and declare that the King of Kings, who will come back one day someday, offers amnesty and grace now that we have a mission to go extend this grace and forgiveness. And listen to me, those who experience the forgiveness of Jesus personally and deeply, 
will be agents of offering that forgiveness to the world. And they will do it gracefully, not self-righteously and not arrogantly, but with deep humility, with the grace they receive, they will extend that same grace. The news of Jesus' resurrection, which offers grace and forgiveness, it's too good not to share. I mean, we share all kinds of things on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and emails. We share about new music that comes out, new diets that come out, new businesses that are being launched, new workouts to have, new buildings being built in downtown, new places to eat, new houses coming on the market, new news articles that we read, new cultural articles that we find interesting. When a good thing comes along, we share it. We automatically share it. I remember a friend of mine who received email alerts with hot deals for airline flights. Any of y'all on those? Like, hot alert, 50% off, uh, you know, this, this flight to so-and-so. Well, one morning, he got a, a hot deal alert. Italy, round-trip flight to Italy, $59. It's actually a typo. It was supposed to be $590, but they sent it out, $59, and it remained on their website for a few hours before they could correct it. $59 seemed too good to be true, but my friend booked it and it went through. And he blasted everybody. <laughs> Text, email, you have to sign up, $59 round trip to Italy. It's not a scam, it's true, do it now. Those of us who know the grace and the love of the risen Jesus, should we not share it? Should we not declare and when we experience Jesus, when he meets us, it won't be a, something we have to force ourselves to do. It'll just happen. We can't contain it. We will go and we'll be sent. So Jesus welcomes all of you to come as you are to the empty tomb, to come and see those of you who are skeptical and inquiring, those downcast and despairing, those fearful and self-protected, those doubting and questioning. Come and believe. And then go and be sent on the king's mission to declare him king to the whole world. The resurrection is everything. It's everything. And as the risen Jesus meets us and he gives us, gives us the gift of faith, he turns the skeptic into the one who goes confidently. He turns the downcast and the despairing into the one who goes joyfully shouting and proclaiming. He turns the fearful and self-protecting into the one who goes boldly speaking of his forgiveness. And he turns the doubting and the questioning into the one who goes personally confessing. This is my Lord and it's my God. Will you come and see the miracle of the risen Jesus? And would you believe? And in believing, Will you go and be sent on his mission? Let's pray. God, I ask that you would help us now. Would you meet us? Perhaps some here who haven't been in church for a long time or, or maybe never. And they're questioning, is this, is this too good to be true? I, I really don't know. Would you meet each and every one of us where we are and would you draw us to yourself to believe? And in believing, Lord God, would you send us out of here with purpose to be who you've created us to be, your image bearers in this world, declaring and heralding the good news 
of a crucified Savior, but who now reigns as King over all things. It's in his name we pray. Amen.